Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Good to be here tonight. Good to see everyone that made it tonight. We're uh, missing several, but we will continue. Um, We have some prayer requests that um, we need to lift up. Let's remember uh, Brother and Sister Plowman tonight. Just that God would continue to give them strength, hold them up during this time in their life. And let's uh, urgently, I felt it last night in prayer, and I just um, just wanted to cry out to the Lord for uh, Brother Nick Sr. So we need to lift, we need to lift him up with his family. God uh, has held them, carried them. We believe that God can do a miracle in him and his body. He, he, needs, he needs a miracle. And, uh, let's pray for our service tonight. Let's pray for uh, those who aren't here can't be here for sickness or uh, just couldn't make it. Uh, why, don't, why don't we stand? Yes, yes, we need to pray for also for the Brindley family. I know many of you know Bubs, new Bubs, by causing Bubs. Justin Brindley and his family. They need uh, comfort during this time of loss. And there was another family that lost uh, their son as well. And I believe that he was 18. Is that right? 21? Well, he was young. Okay. No, he, this is a separate, separate accident. Uh, so we need to pray for that need. The Lord knows. Let's let's just lift these needs up tonight. God, we thank you for the opportunity to to speak these needs to you, God. But you are well aware of each one of them that have been lifted up tonight, and we believe, God, that you are the one who heals. You're the one who sees. You're the one who upholds all things by the word of your power tonight, God. We pray, Lord, that the word of your power would be released into Nick Sr.'s body. God, you've held him up through the years, given him strength to carry on, God. But we're praying and believing, interceding for a miracle, God. We believe, Lord, that you're able to do it tonight, God, and we thank you. Thank you for what you've already done and what you continue to do, Lord. Uh, you are the God who sees, the God who cares. And we believe, oh God, we speak the name of Jesus over him. And we speak the name of Jesus over the plowmen's God, that you would continue to be their strength and uphold them, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We honor you, God, and we thank you for the years have given them, that you have blessed them with, Lord, and we pray 
that you would continue to work and to heal give strength in their life Lord be speaking and believing tonight we pray Lord for the Brindley family that you would that you would cover them with peace and strength in this time of need oh God we pray Lord that there would be a special visitation of your comforting spirit into their family that you would surround them with your loving kindness with your grace and mercy and uphold them in this time God we thank you we praise you we honor you God we believe tonight we believe tonight God that what you're doing in this place and what you're doing in this world that you will accomplish what your word is sent out to accomplish Lord we believe it we hold fast to it God we stand on it Lord the word that is unchanging and unending it's forever settled and we believe in that tonight we believe in that tonight God and we hold that above everything else Lord we hold your word above it all hallelujah we pray God that your word Lord, would open up our understanding tonight that your presence, your strength in this house, God, would bring edification to your body, Lord. We thank you for it. We believe you for it, God, and we know that you are working all things. You're working all things together for the good. Hallelujah. We believe it. We believe it, God. Your hand is on those who are called. And we are the called, oh God, and we have chosen you follow you, to live for you, God, and we pray. We pray for your strength and for your direction in this moment and your healing. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to encourage you to give your offering to the Lord, and we're going to just worship and let the Lord have his way in this place. How great is
right here, right now, but we, Lord, we want you. We want you to know that you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of all of our praise, worthy of our attention, God. We're here to give it to you, God, to bless your holy name, to find out what we can do for you, 
King of kings, Lord of lords, the worthy of it all, the worthy of it all. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Y'all may be seated. We are going to be looking at Matthew 5 and uh, verse 17. And we will read 17 through 20. Think not I came, I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, everybody say least commandments, and shall teach Men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach, everybody say do and teach. Do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case, everybody say no case, enter into the kingdom of heaven. So tonight I want to minister from this subject, righteous requirements. Anybody have requirements in their life? Anybody make up your own requirements? Or do you have to bend to other requirements? Do you, or do I, any of us really, when we go places to work, there are requirements. When we go places to uh, even have fun, there are requirements, aren't there? Enter at your own risk, abide by these rules, take your shoes off, whatever. There's, there's all kinds of requirements. Anybody ever go to, the, go to your employer and say, I'm not doing it. You can send me home. I know we probably thought this, but saying it is something else, right? I am not going to do what you have told me to do. Not going to do it. Inside of our head, we say that and we're like, yes, sir. Because we know that whenever we buck against the requirements, there are consequences. And uh, many people who think that they can write their own set of requirements by working for themselves will soon find out 
that there are requirements from, their, uh, from the people that hire them. I want you to show up. I want you to take your shoes off at the door to work in the house, you know. So even having your own business, there are still requirements. There's just no way around it. So Jesus is, is starting to move in a, in a different direction here in these passages. Verse 17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill what he's saying that I didn't come to overthrow. I didn't come to let people off of the hook. Well, since Jesus did it, I don't have to do anything. That's not what he came to do. He came to complete, accomplish the righteous requirements of the old covenant. Jesus appears to shift his focus from salt and light and good works within his followers or even uh, we might look at the larger picture, the citizens of heaven. Uh, and he shifts to those who thought that they were righteous because they thought they knew what the law and the prophets said. They didn't know their righteousness was filthy. They thought they were righteous until Jesus exposed the emptiness of their righteousness. His mission was to accomplish what no man could. No man can do what Jesus did. And I think sometimes people fail to see the very thing that Jesus gave us an opportunity to be free from. He gave us an opportunity to be free from the law of sin, which Paul said is in my members, working to try to bring me into captivity. In the Old Testament, the law and the prophets revealed the corruption, the wickedness within humanity, but offered no way to help humanity meet those requirements. The priests could offer sacrifices for the people, but the best that would do was still a temporary solution with temporary remission. Anybody want temporary remission? You want your sins to be remitted for just a little while, a year, or until you mess up again. And you have to go take another animal and slay it. Sometimes the same sacrifices daily. But they were all doing the same thing the entire Old Testament, even into the New Testament, temporary. All of the bloodshed in the Old Testament only brought temporary remission. Hebrews 9 uh, verses 19 through 26. For, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water 
and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkle both the book and all the people saying this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. So the Old Testament required blood and the New Testament requires blood. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. It's an intercessor. I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. I'm so thankful that we have somebody in our corner who walked the path before we ever faced the things that we face. He already faced those things and was victorious. And he made a way for us to walk in that victory. Thank you, Jesus. Now, nor yet that he could offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year. With the blood of others. Here's the comparison between the Old Testament and the New Testament. For then he must, he often uh, have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end. Once. Everybody say once. Once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hmm. Himself. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. One sacrifice to complete the old covenant and establish a new one. But this new covenant will do something that the old covenant could not accomplish. It could not do. This new covenant will perfect those in it. It'll perfect those who want to be right with God. But we must enter this new covenant in order to be right with God. And this was the requirement that Jesus was speaking. He came. He came to give everyone the same opportunity. But he came to the Jews and and extended this opportunity to not just just be part of the old covenant, but to be part of the new covenant. The invitation was there. John the Baptist declared, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This was the answer that they were waiting on. And the scripture says that, that Jesus was baptized to be to fulfill all righteousness. Which leads us to the idea that Acts 2.38 is just not, it's not works. 
it's part of obedience that will fulfill righteousness in us. After Jesus sacrificed his life, sin's debt was paid. No sacrifice after that did anything. He offered himself and that was the end. The only way to righteousness would be through his sacrifice, through what he did. In this new covenant, Jesus would be the righteousness of his followers. And here's the the great dilemma. Those who don't follow him cannot be righteous. Amen. Remember what Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. That was part of the beginning statement. That was part of the, the, the very first part of this Sermon on the Mount was, they which hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And this is exactly what Jesus wants to do, is he wants to fill people with righteousness. He wants to fill them with, uh, with his spirit and make a covenant with them. Listen to what David said in Psalm chapter 143, verse 1 and 2. And I'm going to read this to you in the modern English version as you follow along with Brother Troy back here. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. Because that's what that word justified means. No man living be righteous. This will emerge in a few moments when we begin to read through the rest of those verses that we began with. When we consider the Pharisees, how that they had their own version of righteousness. The Lord doesn't see man as righteous. The Lord is righteous. And and for a man to be righteous, he must pursue righteousness. That's the only way a person can be righteous. There's not one thing that we can go and do outside of the covenant relationship with God that's going to make us righteous. Not one thing. We can spend all of our money trying to feed the homeless. Or we can go visit the widows and spend all of our time trying to give them good. But if we're doing that outside of the covenant, it's filthy still. In the old covenant, he went by Jehovah. In the new, he goes by Jesus. The Old Testament prophesied Jehovah as the Savior. The New Testament reveals the Savior as Jesus. let's Let's read what the scriptures say about this. Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 1. The new King James, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek 
the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. A person who is going to be righteous will be one who seeks the Lord. Jesus shifts his focus to those who would try to be righteous on their own terms, but we know our righteousness comes from him. The Pharisees should have seen their filthy rags, but they didn't. And they failed to see the bridegroom. They failed to see the branch of righteousness. Isaiah 61 and 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. We know that the scriptures reveal to us that Jesus is the bridegroom and we are his bride his bride his bride will be covered in righteousness why because his bride is loyal his bride is seeking his face his bride is waiting on him and him alone his bride will seek wait and have no eyes for any other Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. Who's the righteous branch? And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In the New King James, it says, A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness or, or Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. We see in the prophets of old, the Lord himself would put on garments of salvation and and would taste death for everyone. Uh, He would be clothed in flesh, bone, and blood, and he would reconcile the world unto himself. He would purchase his people with his own blood and offer salvation to those who are polluted in their own blood. He would cover them with his righteousness and that would make the most vile sinner righteous. Oh, I'm so thankful that when he found me, I was polluted in my own blood. And he, he, the scripture reveals that when he finds us, he spreads his garment over us and, and he And he says, live. He clothes us with that righteousness, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. He is the righteous one. He is the righteous branch. He is the Lord, our righteousness. And if we're going to be righteous, it's going to be because of him, not because of me. 
Not because I'm doing all the right things, checking all the right boxes in me, and defining my own path to righteousness. Because this is what is beautiful about this new covenant. The old covenant couldn't make anyone perfect. It couldn't transform anyone's life. But through the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, we step into a place where broken humanity can be shaped into righteousness. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. I want to read this to you in the New Living Translation. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview, a preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Not even the most religious ceremonial person could meet the jots and the tittles of the law. The scribes and Pharisees could see it, but not meet its requirements. There was only one who could. There was only one who could meet the requirements. Isaiah 59, verses 16 and 17. I'll read this to you in the Amplified. He saw that there was no man and was amazed that there was no one to intercede on behalf of truth and right. Therefore his own arm brought salvation to him and his own righteousness sustained him. For he, the Lord, put on righteousness like a coat of armor and salvation like a helmet on his head. He, he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and covered himself with zeal and great love for his people as a cloak. And I looked and there was none to help and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me and my fury, it upheld me. It was Jesus that stood, who stood before the multitude declaring by his words an invitation to be, to take part of the arm of salvation. The only way to find remission for sin and the only way to become righteous is through Jesus. There is no other way the scriptures reveal to us. He's the only savior. There is not there's not another Savior coming. And I, I want the world to know it. It has to be in our language. It has to be in our words. There is no other name. There is no other God. The old, uh, the invisible of the old became visible of the new. And it was God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. It wasn't God the Father peering over the balconies of heaven watching His Son walk to His death. Do you hear me? 
That's not it at all. Paul said, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, unto himself. Jesus said it, the works that I do, they're not me, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He's the one that does the works. Oh, so the mighty God of creation was in the man Christ Jesus, saving the world. With his blood. With his own blood. Which brings a whole nother light to the, to the passage where Abraham was walking up that mountain with his son Isaac. And he said, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. <laughs> provide himself a lamb. This is the truth. This is the truth that people can't see. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're following the God of creation who has called us by name. And he's visited us in our own polluted blood. And he extended an invitation into a covenant of righteousness. In which we could never afford in our own. This love, this grace. His mercy that picked us up. Matthew 5 and 18. For verily I say unto you till heaven and earth pass. One jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. Till all be fulfilled. Till all is fulfilled. This is true in a few different senses. It is the assurance that Jesus himself fulfilled the law by his perfect obedience. It is the assurance that Jesus himself fulfills the law in us by his perfect obedience. He fulfills it in us. Why? Because he was perfect. His spirit is perfect. And we, when we are baptized with the Holy Ghost, we are clothed with that power from on high. We've got the spirit of Christ inside of us. We've got that spirit that is able to obey the law. It is the assurance that God's plan will never be set aside until all things are fulfilled at the end of the age. This thing is wrapping up and it's, 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 it's moving closer and closer to the end. We have watched things happen and scripture is being fulfilled as we are living in it. But not one jot or one tittle because God is doing a work and everything that he said from the beginning will come to pass. There is going to be revival There is revival It's happening right now We don't have to wait for 5 or 10 years It's moving through this world right now It's moving through the United States Because God's word Is being fulfilled He said in the last days saith the Lord I will pour out of my spirit Upon all flesh It's happening right now uh, Just in a neighboring state West Virginia and Ohio Methodist pastors are being filled with the spirit of the living God and they're coming to the revelation of the truth that we have in these earthen vessels it'll happen to all be fulfilled what 
God speaks is going to be fulfilled, period. I like how that passage ends. Till all be fulfilled, period. Then he goes, verse 19, Therefore, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees were breaking and teaching men to break commandments. That's what he was pulling out. That's what he was speaking about. Because this, this whole passage is about the requirements. These, these, these few passages are about the requirements of righteousness. Where he's making a contrast between who is righteous and what's not righteous. They were teaching men to break commandments because the old covenant had no power to, to fulfill. The old covenant, those, those within the, the boundaries of the old covenant, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't fight against their sinful nature. They, had, they didn't have the power. They didn't have the power to, to fulfill the law. You might say, well, I don't either, but do you? Do you have the power? It's through the Spirit, right? Through the Spirit, I now have what I need. I now have what I need. They needed the, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they needed the power within the new covenant, but they rejected it. But the citizens of heaven will do and teach. They will do and teach. Do and teach. This is how we build. It's all, we, we have to do. We have to do. We have to teach others how to do. This is what we do. This is why we come to church. This is why we pray. This is why we fast. This is why we, we live for God. Because he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We obey his word. We obey him. And we teach others how to do that. We're not going to break the commandments willingly. We are not going to teach others to break them either. Because we have the power to do and teach. Through the spirit of Jesus we have the power to accomplish what he accomplished. Jesus fulfilled the law. He lived in complete submission to the plan of God. And David Guzik writes this. Jesus fulfilled the doctrinal teachings of the law and the prophets and that he brought full revelation. Jesus fulfilled the predictive prophecy of the law and the prophets and that he is the promised one showing the reality behind the shadows. Jesus fulfilled the moral and legal demands of the law and the prophets and that he fully obeyed them and he reinterpreted them in their truth. What did he, what did he do? He, he challenged the way that the Pharisees were teaching and representing the kingdom. You have heard that it hath been said, but let me reinterpret to, to you the truth. Jesus fulfilled the penalty of the law and the prophets for us by his death on the cross, taking the penalty we deserved. 
If he accomplished those things, don't you believe he can accomplish the same thing through you and I? If he himself did it and has given us his spirit, then we have the same thing that fulfilled the law. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. There. There is. Therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That word in, you know what that word in represents? Covenant. Those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm in covenant with him. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so here's a contrast to those who are in him versus those who are not in him. Those who are not in him are going to be on earthly things, fleshly things. But those who are in Christ are going to be mindful of spiritual things. They're going to be looking into the spiritual things. They're going to, they're going to consider it in everything that we do. We're going to think, oh, is this, is the Lord in this? Is the Lord in this? Because I don't want to be involved in something the Lord's not involved in. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in him only, in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's impossible for any of us to be righteous in the flesh, to walk in the flesh and be righteous. The righteousness can only be fulfilled if we're walking in the Spirit. If I'm living in the Spirit, I'm living in a way that's righteous. Uh, any, any other way is self-righteousness. If I'm living in my flesh and I'm doing whatever my flesh wants, but I come on the church nights that are open and I praise and I lift up my... I'm still in unrighteousness. Why? Because I'm not following him in the spirit. I'm living for my flesh. That's why I've got to make sure that my desires, uh, my desires are squashed in my mind. Whenever something comes to be exalted above my obedience to Christ, uh, I've got to bring it into captivity and say no. I'm not going to follow after my flesh I'm following after the spirit Because I want to be righteous Because there are requirements If I'm not righteous There's a danger That Jesus That Jesus gives There is a danger 5 and 20 For I say unto you That except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. If self-righteousness is my only righteousness, I'll be standing outside of a closed door, banging on it, trying to get in. But I won't be able to because it will lock me out. The only way in is through his righteousness. 
The only way in is through His righteousness. I can't be right in my own eyes. I got to be right with Him. I got to be obedient to His Word. And if I, through the Spirit, can mortify the deeds of this body and obey His Word, I know that there is righteousness in me. Pharisees. Jesus wasn't saying that the Pharisees had some righteousness. Because I don't believe that we can just have some righteousness and some self-righteousness. I believe it's either or. They didn't have righteousness. They had self-righteousness. That was what he was saying. Except your righteousness exceeds self-righteousness. Then you're not getting in. They thought they, they thought that they were okay because of who they were and what they wore and what they thought they knew. But we will see in the passages that come, Jesus reinterpreting the scriptures the way they are supposed to be understood. The Pharisees partially used the law to their advantage while forsaking the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. The Pharisees abused their position of power, and they used it to, for their gain. And they called it righteousness. Accept your righteousness. Exceed their righteousness. Let's stand. Why don't we just stretch forth our hearts our minds, our lives to the Lord. Let Him speak to us. Let Him help us tonight. Give us an opportunity to see if we've been filled with our own righteousness, if we've been self-righteous, or is His righteousness really, really in us? Because if it's not, He is giving us a moment of clarity to make sure that what we've got is His righteousness. He paid it all, but not for me to do my thing. He didn't pay it all for me to be off the hook and do my own thing, follow the desires of my flesh and to write my own check. He, he, he paid it all so I would give Him all that He would make me righteous. Thank you, Jesus. God, I'm asking you tonight that you would give your people a moment of clarity and let them see. Let them see inside. Let them look into, let them look into the depth of their heart, God, and see if there is anything in there that represents self. God, we're following you, Lord, but sometimes our old nature our old nature can come back to life with 
while we are distracted and while we are looking in other directions, we can follow we can follow that default path that comes back to life, Lord. But we, we're here tonight, God, to assess that we could look inside, that you would show us what we must crucify. That we would crucify the flesh tonight, God. That we would crucify things that are not righteous. I want to be righteous. I want to be holy. I want to stay in that place where you are building. I don't want to fall, oh God. And I know that self-righteousness will always make a person fall. Lord, so help us. Help us remove the pride that causes us to be self-righteous. Help us, Lord, to lay aside every weight and the sin. That doth so easily beset us, that distracts us, that weighs us down, that keeps us from seeing the call to righteousness, Lord. We want to be righteous, oh, because you have called us to be righteous. And and it's a requirement for those within your kingdom. And oh, God, don't let us remain in unrighteousness if that's where your people are, if that's where, oh, the, the people are. In this earth, God, in this hour, Lord, awaken, awaken your people to the reality of the righteousness within them, whether it's self-righteousness or your righteousness. I want to pursue you, God, author and finisher of my faith, author and finisher of my faith, the expected end of your people will always be righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this moment of reflection, God. Hallelujah. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Would you please continue to pray for the senior family? Pray for God to to release His miraculous power. There are many. There are many who are already and have been praying for Him. For them. Continue to lift them up. Continue to lift up plowmans and those who aren't here. If you you recognize that someone is not here and you reach out to them and um, pray for them pray for the words to speak to those that you come in contact with that you could represent his kingdom amen love and appreciate you all I believe God is going to use you to accomplish his will amen let's come back Sunday for prayer meeting 1115 and let's see what the Lord will do. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.